Hi, I'm Nora, and I love church. Sometimes we have this kind of attractional model of church where it's like, well, the really nice building is what gets people here, and it's what you know keeps people here, and like having the really cool kids wing of the church that's a million dollars that you know is like Disney. Well, yeah, I, I actually was a proponent of that argument for a long time, but I've grown to just kind of see how so much can be gained when we actually engage our community and care for the needs within our community. We care for those who are um, maybe at the margins and uh, the influence and impact that that can have uh, can shape our identity far more than a multi-million dollar facility. Yeah, defund the church, rebuild the kingdom, ain't no doubt. Time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out. Yeah, let's come together, ready for change, now is the time. We are one unit that is under God, let's put an end to the racial divide. Uh, I gotta scream it out louder, let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up. Bringing unity in the community and keep the Holy Spirit all around us. Yeah, yeah, defund the church, let's go. And welcome to another episode of Defund the Church. I'm Frank Turner here with Pastor Justin Douglas of the Belong Collective. We want to thank you for listening to the show today. Uh, we want to encourage you to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. Before we get into the episode today, Pastor Justin, let the listeners know why they should be listening to Defund the Church. Well, we started Defund the Church just as an opportunity for us to have some real conversations about um, the church, some conversations that a lot of times are ignored within the church. And so this is a great opportunity for you to dive in and listen to some of what we're talking about, about uh, maybe some of the topics that the church doesn't always dive into. And so when we say defund the church, obviously this started largely around um, the uh, movement of justice being talked about from a racial standpoint in churches. Um, but we're branching out, we're covering other topics, and we're talking about defund the church and rebuilding the kingdom. So it's not just defund the church to defund the church. We want to rebuild something that's more just in the church, that's more loving. And so uh, you're on a journey with us. This is a conversation. This isn't, we're, we're not the final word. So you get to be a part of that. You get to listen along, and maybe it inspires you to do some digging of yourself uh, on your own or to, to examine some of the things you've uh, experienced in church and maybe dream about a different way. Of, uh, of doing church in the future. Man, thank you for that intro, Pastor. You know, one of the things today we're going to talk about, you know, it's very interesting, obviously, in, in a post, I don't, I don't know if we're even post-COVID, in a COVID world, uh, you know, a lot of churches have, are, are not open or they have having to have um, reduced meetings, uh, just a lot of different churches being done a lot differently. And one of the things that, you know, I want to get into tonight is the buildings. A lot of church buildings have been empty the last several months, or, or at least at a, at a much smaller capacity. I just want to talk about uh, maybe the church versus the building and, uh, you know, just kind of dive into that and mm. unpack that topic. No, this is a great conversation because, you know, we, we've all, we've all kind of heard of the adage, you know, put, put your money where your mouth is, you know what I mean? And it's like um, a lot of times the church is talking a big game about caring for the community and about doing things. And that's not to say they're not doing things. They could be doing very meaningful things in the community, but it might represent like 2% of their budget or maybe even 5% of their budget, which you might think, oh, wow, that's pretty awesome, 5%. But then when you like break down a budget and you begin to see, holy man, the church is spending 60, 70% of their budget on the building or um, 80% between building and staff. 
and you begin to see, see, wow, they've got a lot of money tied up in staffing and building. And, and look, I've been in churches, multiple churches throughout my career. And I, I've, I've only recently in the last few years, really the last probably like five years been in a church where we spend less than 50% of our budget on a building. So, I mean, put that in perspective. Uh, that's, that's a lot of money tied up in a building. And I think you're seeing that now with COVID that where the, where the church has invested the most real estate um, property, uh, they're not even able to potentially access that right now, or they're accessing it in such a limited fashion that it's not really providing for them uh, through the investment they made. And so um, I think there it's time to, for us to reconsider it. And by the way, like, there's a lot of churches that have been on this journey of reconsidering how we meet. There's a lot of churches that have gone to renting space. Uh, the belong collective, the church I'm a part of, we rent space. We've considered leasing space and that's something that we might do, but ultimately we're a, a week to week rental um, experience. And through COVID we've largely been digital gatherings with a few in-person outdoor gatherings at like, like a pavilion uh, setting where we can practice distance and wear masks and be safe, but even remove COVID from the equation. I think that it's problematic if we're too invested. I mean, some of these buildings are amusement parks too. They're, they're multimillion dollar buildings. And I think we have to think about how uh, our, what our witnesses when we're investing this much in our facilities. And sometimes we have this kind of attractional model of church where it's like, well, the really nice building is what gets people here and it's what, you know, keeps people here and like having the really cool kids wing of the church. That's a million dollars that, you know, is like Disney. Well, yeah, I, I actually was a proponent of that argument for a long time, but I've grown to just kind of see how so much can be gained when we actually engage our community and care for the needs within our community. We care for those who are um, maybe at the margins and, uh, the influence and impact that that can have uh, can shape our identity far more than a multi-million dollar facility in a way that I think lives and breathes the gospel in our world. And so uh, I, I'm kind of advocating for that these days, not trying to judge churches who have invested that because it's a difficult position to be in as a pastor. If you've seen a church through a building process and now you have this multi-million dollar facility um, to determine how best to steward that. But I also think another aspect of that is a lot of these churches that are multimillion dollar facilities sit empty from Sunday to Sunday. And it's like, how can we also encourage like engagement for our community in our facility? So we used to have a facility back in the day um, that we owned, that we ran as, as a community center that we met at. And so we had karate there on Monday nights, Boy Scouts on Tuesday nights, Girl Scouts on Wednesday nights. Every night of the week, it was being used. During the day, it was being used. And then on the weekends, it was used for parties within our community. And we had the cheapest rate within the community. Quite honestly, all it did was cover the um, utilities for it to be utilized and, um, and the cleaning fee. That's all it covered. It didn't, we didn't make money off renting it out. Um, but it was something that the community was able to use for birthday parties, anniversary parties, things like that, where we felt like our building was actually serving the community. And that's where I think the church needs to be considering like how we use our resources to serve. I think that's the heart of Jesus. Jesus used the resources that he had to serve even, uh, and even in a miraculous way, like he took, you know, 
some fish and some bread and uh, multiplied it. I think God's saying, hey, here's your budget. How can you multiply this instead of throw it into a building that ultimately maybe you don't have a vision for how this can serve the community. And so I just think there's, it's time for us to imagine maybe some different models. And I have a lot of ideas about that, but I want to hear your experience, Frank. What about you? Like when you think about buildings and the buildings that you've been in um, throughout your journey, like what, what do you think about that, about how you've seen the church invest in, um, in, in that? Man, those are good questions. So before you even say that, like one, one, before I even answer that, um, I want to just say, Thank you for laying that out to people because a lot of people don't even know how much maintenance goes into a church, right? They hear about tithes and offerings and they think the pastor's getting a Benz or his daughter's getting, you know, <laughs> get, getting a, you know, convertible or whatever. And, you know, I'm sure there, there is some corruption. I'm not trying to downplay that, but for the most uh-huh. part, these, these, this money is used to keep these buildings open. And so one of the things that, that God, I feel like kind of showed me during COVID is he said, look at the buildings that are, empty right now. He said, look at sports stadiums, look at concert halls and look at churches. He said, they all are are guilty of idolatry. He said, because see, it's okay to have a curated event when it comes to a sporting event or a concert, but church kind of became that too. Like with the building also came with this expectation of we're going to come create this performance. Now that's not for every church, right? Like my church that I go to I five city, it's kind of more of a warehouse thing, you know, with, with, with the setup, but there are a lot of churches that are beautiful, but they're set up like performance and not, they, they don't have, like you said, they don't have any functionality from mon- Sunday to Sunday. They're set up for stadium seating, this amazing performance. And I think God is saying, is this, are you, are, are you know, the reverse of, you know, gladiator, are you, are you not entertained? Like this is not what, this church was about, right? It wasn't about big buildings and, and things like that. And it's almost become, how would you say, a, a hindrance, a, 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 um, how can I say, it's a millstone around the neck of the church from a standpoint of, to keep the building open, you start compromising, you say, oh, I gotta have a certain message that gets people in here, so they tie a certain amount, so they stay. So now, even if you didn't want to, you may not say everything you wanna say, and then your message almost gets tainted. It almost goes back to the first episode we did where you talk about the pastor who had to apologize, he mentioned George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. He has to come back and apologize because his staff, his accounting staff was like, hey, if these people leave, we're not going to be able to keep the building open. So you need to come yep. back and apologize. So that's disingenuous because now you're beholden, you're, you're no better than Jeremiah when he's, he's, he's criticizing Israel for worshiping the idols of stone and, 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 and you know, gold and silver. And you're now beholden to this building. And so, you know, growing up, to answer, to go, to answer your question now, growing up, I grew up Southern Baptist, right? And there's nothing, and that's, that's the building, right? You got the steeple and you got the, the stained glass windows and, and all, you know, all the other, you know, the pews and the, and, and the you know, the uh, choir, you know, all the stuff set up, the, the, you know, big pulpit. And so it's a show, you know, it, it's, it's really a, a show. And, and that's not to say that, you know, I didn't learn about the Lord in church. I'm not downplaying that, but there is a certain, uh, there's a certain, there's something that's, that's, that's a little bit disingenuous about the presentation of the gospel because it's based on keeping, it's based on another factor other than telling the truth about what God wants, about building his kingdom. It's about keeping this building open. And you can't have any conflicts with that. And I think what COVID is saying is it's allowing people to do church online or in, in smaller you know, budgets saying, I don't have to be beholden 
to this building, I can now maybe say some things I want to say and, and pursue the path I want to pursue without worrying about being evicted or not having this building. And so I think, you know, hopefully going forward, we'll see a lot of churches downsized, not in congregation size, but yeah. as you mentioned, it, their, their footprint will increase in the community because it'll be like, hey, we're going to do this now with this money, or we're going to mobilize our people rather than meeting on Sunday and sitting there and doing all this. We're going to have actual engagement and help people. So I look at it like, this is an eye-opening time for, for everyone who's in church who does ministry to really look at, you know, and this, and like, and like you said, this, this, if, if you've just bought a building and you're listening to this and you're like, man, I, these guys, you know, I rebuke this, you know, you guys, uh, the devil, we're not, we, we're not here to speak to, we're, we're here having a conversation as pastor said, we don't know everything, but, but there is, I believe because God is, is never makes a mistake and he's intentional and he always has a purpose, there's a reason why the church has been closed. And I don't think it's a conspiracy to not have us meet. I think it's a way of saying, was the church in Acts, were they meeting in a building? When, when, when Peter and Paul were walking by people in their showers were healing people, they were just, they were out and about in the community and, and everybody was buying and selling um, things together. I mean, there was a real heart um, for, for, for serving. And I think you know, God wants more small groups. He wants to see that. I think that's one of the things that a lot of churches, I'm sure your church a pastor promotes this, is, you know, the small groups. Those, those are really the church gatherings um, that, that really need to be strengthened during this time. And hopefully, you know, you have been nourished in a small group. Because I want to say that if you listen to this podcast and you're not con connected in fellowship with, with other men and women, then you're not really in church, honestly. You're just going in a building and you're doing a ritual. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not trying to say you weren't saved. I'm just saying that if you don't have that connection that you, you have somebody you can be transparent with, you know, overcome by the blood of the word of your testimony, somebody who really knows who you are, you don't have anything. You don't, you know, there's no, there's no transformation. We got to move from curated events to transformational moments in our lives. Mm. And I think that's really, really important. And I think that's what God is doing in this season. Yeah. I, I Frank, I think you bring up some really good points. So, I'm always I'm I'm always cautious, and I think and I think you would be too, to say one or the other. So I I just want to be clear to those people who have gone to a worship style event, even in a large crowd, and have had a an experience with God. Um, that's awesome. We don't want to take that away from you. Um, but if that's coming at expense of deep community with one another, that's problematic. If there's no emphasis on community with one another. That's problematic. And I would say at the same time, if you're only ever experiencing God in a small number, there can be an energy and a vibrance to a large group gathering of people worshiping together and just the beauty of seeing hundreds of people around you worshiping the same God that you worship, even amid all your differences, right? Um, so I, I want to emphasize that there's value on both spectrums here of like a house church vibe to a mega church vibe. The struggle is in America, we've defined a successful church as the mega church because we have this capitalistic model that we also apply to our churches. So I think that the frustration that you are speaking here and the prophetic nature even of what you're calling out is this idea that success looks like big buildings and big budgets. And I just think we're done with that. Like, I don't think that's success anymore. And I'll be honest, I worked in a mega church of 3,500 people 
And it was one of the most miserable ministry experiences I've ever had. Um, because ultimately, um, you can't have a church of 3,500 people without running it very much like a business. Um, and that's not to say it doesn't require some business acumen to run a church. But I guess what I'm saying is that line becomes really clear of what you're protecting here uh, and what you're trying to do. And that's where I think you talk about you can't say certain things. You have to be more corporate. You have to seem more like a certain way. You just have you, you it's the genuineness of eight people in a room gathering and talking about faith. In, in all of its rawness and realness and relationship to your life, the larger that platform gets, the harder it gets to protect that genuine authenticity because you have to uh, protect stuff and you don't want to say something wrong that might offend a group of people and leave. And look, I think there's value in saying there's no sense in going around just offending people to offend people, but there's also value in saying, wow, if I can't speak truth in, in a time where people are seeking truth in the midst of pain and suffering in our world, because I'm afraid that we might lose a certain percentage of our giving and not be able to pay our mortgage. I, I'm not um, prioritizing properly my call as a pastor or even as a parishioner of a community. Uh, you know, I'm not allowing for a system that, that, that honors what, Christ set up. And, and so to be clear, um, I, I want to just be clear to any pastors or people out there to say, whatever system you've inherited or wherever you're at or whatever you've even invested in up to this point, it's probably not going to change overnight. Um, it's probably going to take some time and, and, uh, and a little bit of um, so many of these systems are, are plans that have been laid out for even 10 years and such. But, but here's, here, here's what I think the problem is. Let's say your board got a vision from God to give away 20% of its finances to the community. Like, uh, for example, our church supports, um, we got a vision for, for, for some things that we needed to support in the community. Um, for example, we've, we've donated this year over $1,000 in laundry cards to downtown daily bread, which is a food pantry. And we asked what the biggest need was. And they said, well, really it's laundry. We've got everything else covered. And we were like, how can we help? Well, laundry cards would be good if we could make a deal with the laundry mat down the road. Okay, let's do it. And we, we, we negotiated a deal where we could get, you know, a lot of, of these laundry cards and ultimately give these individuals who are either um, struggling or even homeless um, the opportunity to wash their clothes. And it might seem so, so minuscule to you because you have a washer and dryer in your house as you're listening to this. But I think it's beautiful that in the year 2020, our church has donated over $1,000 to laundry in our community. I also think it's amazing that we were able to, to sponsor a class. And I'm not trying to like pat my community on the back, but I'm saying when you break down our budget at the end of the year, I can almost, actually, I'll guarantee you, we're, we're, we will have given away over 20% of our budget um, to... Uh, other organizations that are doing great things in our community or directly to um, particular funds and needs in our community. And again, I'm not trying to like inflate our community. I'm just saying we caught a vision for giving and supporting these great causes. And I think what I struggle with is I didn't have to actually pause and be like, but are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Because we don't have a mortgage. So I didn't have to think that way. If I was in a church that had 60% of our budget going to a mortgage, I might sit there and be like, 
are we going to have enough to pay the mortgage and my salary and fund these other ministry efforts that we want to do? Like we might have to scale that back to 10%. And I might miss an opportunity to really love and care for my community, not just with my mouth, but with my finances. So I think it's important to say how much flexibility do we have within our budget to actually care for our community? So I, I just want to be very practical here. Here's two ideas. One idea is why not rent? Um, it, it, now it's frustrating to be a set up and tear down church. So either rent or use your current facility to regain some capital, whether that's renting it out to other groups or allowing other groups to use it, allowing other organizations that are like-minded or that are serving the community to come in and use your facility. Um, you can rent schools, movie theaters, community centers, warehouses, like you said, pavilions for outdoor services. Uh, you could, you could change your community to a house church model that gathers once a month for big gatherings. Does that make sense? Like you could, there's all kinds of creative ways that you can uh, really uh, transition your church to something that's more sustainable. Cause I think that's a word we need to talk about sustainability, but also just like kind of common sense and accountability for how you're using finances. But this brick and mortar kind of way of doing church where we build these big buildings, it, it kind of, I feel like we're in this field of dreams style still of like build it and they'll come. And it's like, uh, not necessarily. I don't think that's how millennials are going to relate to church. Um, and then I think if we do build new buildings, I think we should have more creative vision. So here's a vision I've had for uh, 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 if we ever built a building for our community. And I've only even told, told like a couple people on my board this, but I think it'd be really cool to build a community center in a community that is at risk, like, or really needs a community center. You identify a location near your primary location that needs, you know, or, or near, you know, your community that needs this. Build it. Maybe it's even a multi-million dollar facility. Awesome. But make sure it's a functioning kind of community center or model and layout. Pay it off in five years. Yes, that's super aggressive. But tell your community we're paying this off in five years. Here's the vision and here's why. Because in five years, we're going to take the keys and we're going to hand it over to the city. And we're going to go do it again in another community. Imagine if the church did that. Imagine the reputation of the church handing over the keys to a five-year-old multi-million dollar facility every five years to, and, and they do it in intentional places where that could serve. They maybe even put it in the hands of reputable 501c3s that are um, food pantries or um, clothing distributors or, you know, any number of uh, nonprofit work that's being done and you hand them a brand new facility because of your church's generosity that you, that you benefited from for five years. I'm not saying you don't get any benefit from meeting there for a while, but ultimately that we don't become so attached to ownership, but we become attached to service and everything is pointing toward, we are going to be the most generous community that exists in this community. That's what we want to be known for. Uh, I think that would transform the witness of the church in our communities. And I think we can do that with money when we handle it differently than other businesses in our community. Businesses, they're, they're all thinking about bottom line. We're making radically generous decisions instead. That's going to stand out. Wow, that community is really generous. Wow, that community does things in a different way than what even makes sense because their love for people. I kind of want to be a part of that or at least check it out. What's going on there? That I think is an opportunity we might have amidst all the obstacles of buildings and budgets. 
Now that was a word, Pastor. That was really a word. I want to encourage listeners out there, um, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts, other major podcast platforms, Spotify as well. That's another good one. Uh, man, just that was really, really in-depth, especially the last part about transforming. And I think that's, you know, I mentioned transformational, you know, moments, but I mean, that's really what I feel like has been missing from the church, not just even regard to the building conversation, but just making an impact. Like that's the whole point of why we are alive, why we got the spirit. So we're supposed to transform the invisible world that was heaven and, and, and the physical world, which is earth. We were supposed to be God's, you know, basically uh, his children, his, his, his heirs to make the world beautiful as, as just as heaven is. And I think that that vision you share right there is what is often lacking for people even understand what the, how powerful the church, how much power we really have, how much authority we have. We have all authority. We have all authority to do this. This is exactly why Jesus did what he did. He didn't do it so we could do, have a good church or, or do a good job. He said, I give you now all the authority I have. You're, 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 you're good. Go do it. Go to the ends of the earth. And I think, um, you know, that, that was so powerful. So thank you for that, because that even had me like, yo, I want to be a part of that <laughs> every five years. That sounds, that sounds really cool. That sounds, that's a really exciting um, thing. So I, like I said, I just want to uh, thank all our listeners out there. Um, again, continue to rate us, subscribe, you know, leave a comment, you know, if you, only leave five stars. That's what I always say. Like if you, if you <laughs> anything less than you're a hater, um, definitely leave, leave, leave a review. Uh, leave your comments, but we, we again, we just love you guys. Um, we want to continue to uh, share the podcast with all the people out there. If this is if this is making an impact on you, uh, definitely share it with your you know people in, in your community, in your church, uh, always, and always share it in love. Like, don't ever share this podcast. And say, see, I told you so, because we're not about that. We're always about hey, we may have some things that may sound we're just passionate, but we all know that we all fall short. And so wherever we, wherever you are, whenever you hear this, God can work the plan forward. Is, is, there's no traps that you're in right now. Wherever you are is where God wants you to be, right? That's how. That's what we need to believe. We need to understand. So this is just a great moment to maybe recenter ourselves on some of these different conversations. And so again, we just want to thank you for listening uh, with, a, with an open mind and open heart. Uh, and we just want to thank you guys again. Uh, we love you. And we'll see you very soon on the episode of Defund the Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and other major podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom. Mm-hmm.